my work doesn't mean anything about me and my value is inherent and not based on whatever my latest piece of artwork is. So knowing that has freed me up to be able to create without all that judgment. Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. I'm so glad you're here today. I have the pleasure of talking to Terry Runyon. And many of you will know who that is. She's just a delightful artist that I met during my time at Hallmark, but I think I would have discovered her anyway because her art is just so charming, whimsical, fantastic, makes my day kind of art. So we had a wonderful conversation and we really dug in a lot to the inner critic conversation and granting yourself permission and kind of how to get through that. It's something that even someone as experienced and skilled as Terry um, deals with on a day-to-day. So I think you'll really find some nuggets here that you'll be nodding your head to. A little bit more about Terry. She's a visual artist and cat lover. Terry lives in Kansas City with her two sweet kitties, Riley and Tucker, and they are a huge inspiration in her work. You can usually find them next to her in her studio, getting their toes and their tails in the paint. Terry is also very much a creative encourager. She loves sharing with others about creativity, and she loves being an artist. She sees creativity as the means to connect, to communicate, and to share with each other, and she does it well. In addition to her YouTube videos, she has several classes on Skillshare, from discovering your art style to learning Procreate. Terry has a brand new watercolor class releasing in April called Painting Happiness, Creativity with Watercolor. So be sure to check that out. She's also planning new online classes for 2022, along with in-person workshops. So that will be a super refreshing thing to do. And you might very well find her. as one of my guests on windowsill workshops coming up as well. So keep your eyes open for that. But enough from me. Here is Terry Runyon. Terry Runyon, thanks for being here with me. Hi, Margo. I'm so happy to be here. Likewise. You know, you're just one of those artists that when I see your work, it's just like, oh, 
there's Tara. It makes me, it makes me smile. Love it when it pops up on my Instagram. Well, now I'm smiling. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I just think my, my favorite thing about windowsill chats is just learning more about people's paths and stories and just kind of how, how you chose the things you did along the way. So I would love to find out or share some of that with our listeners. I did find out just a minute ago that you grew up in California, which I did not know. Yes. Bay area, Southern California, Tahoe, all over the place. Last place was San Jose where I went to school at San Jose state and I got recruited from homework there. Oh my gosh. Really? How come they didn't recruit me when I went to Hey, yeah, that's they so didn't cool. know what they were missing. Oh, Terry. Well, thank you. You know, we really did cross paths then because that's right on my our stomping grounds. So were you always drawing and creating things and and the the one everybody went to to letter all the signs and things like that? Well, actually, I had a kind of a an interesting path with my creativity. Um, I grew up with a mother that was an artist, and so I did play around with art. But I ended up with a, a fierce inner critic that mm. kept me and perfectionist and everything else that goes along with that. Even though as a kid, I thought I liked art, and I felt like I was getting kudos for it being maybe better than the other first grader that was sitting next to me. Uh, I really struggled with needing it to be good, even though I was a kid and uh, got into so much inner critic and perfectionism and all that stuff that I left it for a long time. I mean, I didn't, it was too painful for me to draw. It was too painful for me to do anything because it, it couldn't be perfect. And but do you so, think that was just you or did somebody set you on that path? I, I mean, I, I can totally relate because I haven't, I don't think I've ever really thought about it, but I didn't feel like I could draw because I felt like it needed to completely exactly represent what I saw in my head. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't, I didn't do that. Well, I, I think that's pretty rampant in our culture to highlight the need for things to represent what we see rather than, I mean, I think those things are changing with creativity in schools Mm -hmm. these days that, you know, there's not so much emphasis put on perfectionism, but more on the creative act itself, which is where I'm at now. But for me, growing up with an artist mother who was very self-critical was, you know, possibly influential on my own view of my own art, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also just the way the schools handle it, you know, that they were really there was a really, you can do this, you can't kind of a mentality in school with art. And so a lot of kids get dissuaded very quickly and early on because yeah. they're not drawing things that look just like what they're trying to draw. So yeah, that's not unique to me. I think it's pretty much an opportunity for everyone to go through and move through and get to the other side of. And, and that's why I like to share around that so much because it's mm-hmm. been such a huge block for me in my life on the way to creating daily and enjoying the process of creating. Yeah. I think it's such a, I'm really glad you brought that up because I mean, it is the most unifying thing for all of us. I really feel like, like we all might feel creative at some point or another, but aren't sure how to embrace that. But we for sure all feel like we're not at some point. Yes. And yeah. The, I mean, the, our inner critics, the not good enough syndrome or the, I hate it, you know, whatever it is, it comes up. I mean, I remember distinctly not being able to capture a likeness with someone well enough mm-hmm. that I was satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, and so rather than enjoying the process of creating, I was so caught up in trying to get it, get it perfect that I lost the joy of the actual process of creating. 
Um, and I did learn how, you know, through school, you know, I went to school at San Jose State finally after many years of delay. I was, I went back to school when I was 25. Um, that, I mean, you know, there's a lot of fear that came up even around going back to school. I had taken a few drawing classes, so I got in with that portfolio, but I really was wishing that school would burn down when I was going my first day because I was just so, ah. So, <sighs> yeah, I got through school and, even in school, I was an overachiever. I, you know, I had to get everything right. Um, and then, you know, I got recruited by Hallmark and this inner critic and need to overachieve followed me there. And the way I stayed ahead of the inner critic there was to just work extremely fast. Mm. So I learned how to work really fast and, you know, not, and not spend too much time thinking about things too much, as much as possible. Yeah. If you're working really <laughs> fast, it's off your desk before you have a chance to question it too many times. And when you're working on an assignment, you can't stop. So you went from San Jose State straight to Hallmark. Did you consider anything else along the way? I mean, that was a pretty cush offer. Yeah. Um, before I went back to school for, you know, I didn't even know there was such a thing as an illustration career. I, mm -hmm. I knew art, fine art, you know, I, I sort of knew that people were painting in books or drawing, you know, for children's books and different things like that and ed editorial, but I, I just didn't even consider an illustration, illustration as a career. And I found out about it kind of by accident. I was actually kind of leaning into, do I want to be an architect? No, too many years of school. Do I want to do a business career. And I actually kind of leaned into that for a while and then realized that was like the last thing in the world I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and then when I found out about illustration and the school close to me, San Jose state had a degree in illustration and design huh. that I might see if they'd accept my portfolio, which was basically just drawing that I did in junior college, um, that, were fun, fun assignments, like drawing a crumpled up paper bag and, you know, different things that would kind of take you out of your objective, yeah. trying to create the object you think you see rather than the object you actually see. Mm -hmm. So there was a, you know, learning how to draw really uh, by eye-hand coordination. Mm -hmm. So um, that was going on. And, and then I, you know, went to school at San Jose State, got accepted with my portfolio and really was dealing with that inner critic the whole time. But I was so determined to be successful that I just kept working through it. And I spent infinite numbers of hours on my illustrations for that degree. And, you know, lucky for me, uh, they had a teacher at home um, at San Jose State that was connected to Hallmark. So Hallmark came in yearly uh, oh, cool. and checked out seniors. Um, and I luckily enough got a invitation to come back and interview and then ended up getting hired. That's in so the redesign cool. part department. So oh, wow. in redesign, we painted on other people's artwork to create, uh, <laughs> go from a birthday image to a Christmas image. Oh, so gosh. I learned a lot about different techniques artists used and, um, and emulating people's styles. That's interesting. Yeah. And uh, did that for about a year and a half and then got, you know, tried my darndest because I wanted to be the best in some ways. You wanted to design, uh, not redesign. Well, I wanted, yeah, I wanted to create original work. Yeah, for sure. So I ended up working really hard at that. And I got, I got the transfer into original art and then spent the next 29 years in original art. Wow. At that's so cool. That's so, that's really something to be, you know, Hallmark, I'm, I'm so glad to have had some time there because the most amazing part about Hallmark, well, there's many 
amazing things, but are, are the people, of course, the creative yeah. energy in there is just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. You're completely surrounded by a, insanely creative people. And yeah. The, yeah. I always kind of looked at it as an extended schoolroom, mm-hmm. particularly, I mean, I was there a total of 30 years and back when I started, it was, there was a lot of opportunity to play in workshops. You know, I, I got to do glass blowing. I got to do wow. iron working, of course, working with clay, you know, all mm-hmm. kinds of same things were that were seemingly unrelated to the actual art of creating greeting cards, but they, all impact you as an artist as you go along. So Hallmark is really good at seeing the value of diversification mm-hmm. with their artists yeah. to inspire them. And standing for that. That, right. I, I mean, how could you ever forget? My first trip there, I was absolutely blown away by the support for being, for that diversifying and being everything you could be. Like right. digging into other avenues of creativity for every artist. It's really right really a a beautiful thing and rare. Yeah. Yes. And they, you know, they have a lot of workshops so that they have master uh, watercolor artists that will take you on a five day Mm -hmm. outing to someplace and you get to paint all that time and just learn. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those kinds of things were opportunities that I would have never had had I not worked at Hallmark. And, you know, even though most of the time I was there, I was really working with trying to, you know, I still had the imposter syndrome of not feeling like a real artist still with me and all the inner critic stuff. About 10 years before I left, I started getting a broader perspective on my creativity and basically who I am and who we all are and realized that, and, and this is something I ha- that I work with every day to remind myself of this, that my work doesn't mean anything about me and my value is inherent and not based on whatever my latest piece of artwork is. So knowing that has freed me up to be able to create without um, all that judgment. You know, even if I, the inner critic comes up and says, this sucks. um, I can, I can still see that from the perspective of knowing everything's okay. That takes a long time to get there. And that is so well said. I mean, your value is inherent. It is it is you, it's your story, it's your path, it's what you bring to it. And it's just a reminder. It's not based on what you what your output was today. And and that right. is, I mean, that takes years of introspection and retrospection, you know, kind of looking back and saying, Oh, look what I did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they they yeah. I'm here for 30 years because I am good at what I do, you know, and, and I'm wanted for that right. talent. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I, I got a lot of kudos at Hallmark. They were always very supportive of me and, you know, I, people couldn't believe it. My friends, when I'd say, I just feel like, uh, you know, I'm not a real artist and those kinds of things are people would just kind of laugh at me, but that is what is pretty common for most artists. We go through mm-hmm. these, you know, our brain is kind of conditioned, you know, the conditioning we received back when we were kids, the ideas we had around perfectionism and uh, you know, what makes a good artist those things kind of live with us even after we realize that they're absurd. Right. Uh, and so I still deal with that, uh, but I don't, I have different ways of handling it now that move me through it more quickly. I, I don't let it stop me. I basically know it's just conditioned thinking. It's habits of thought that are passing through and I don't need to do anything with them. I don't need to pu- push them away. I don't have to do anything. The, 
the point, the practice, I guess you'd call it is to focus back on what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. I kind of look like, I think of it as a mindfulness practice, the coming back again and again to the actual paintbrush on the page or the connection I have with Ryan says, you you know, you suck, or this is terrible, or I hate this. And it just keeps going by as I go back to painting. Yeah. Yeah. And and the, you know, the thing that I get reminded of all the time is is a lot of times the stuff I think is really not my best work are things people really enjoy. Yeah. And so I've, I've learned to not trust that judging critic in my head Mm. uh, that it, it, it has a place it, it does its chirping and I can just keep playing with what's in front of me. So it's, it's really a mindfulness practice. Yeah. I, I think that's so, that's a valuable thing to hear. So you, so you work through it, you keep that brush on the page or, or whatever it is that right. you are comfortable doing. And I think too, when you have, when you trust the people that are telling you that they like that piece or whatever it is, you have those relationships that, that you, you know, you've shared together this feeling, but they're telling you it's good and you know to trust them. That helps too, you know, and it's not just somebody glad handing. They, they mean it. Right. And, and it's, and you do, you, I mean, I feel like certainly being an artist, your most of your life, your style has evolved and changed, but you have a style that is so full. It's so wonderful to look at. It's joyful. It's happy. It makes people smile. It's, it's you, it's recognizable. It doesn't fall into a category of like, oh, she's that kind of artist. It just, it, it seems very fresh, always very unique. And I love that about your work. And I do feel like it just is so interesting to hear that you struggle with that still. And I think it's probably helpful for many people to hear that coming from someone who they think couldn't possibly feel that way. It's really important for people to understand, at least it was for me, that this is a common element in the creative process that at least from the artists I've known, there's always that element of trying to get things right and kind of falling short of your own expectations. So it's just, to me, that's what we grow up with. We, we We grow up with that kind of judgmental, comparative, basically you know, seeing our value in whatever our art is. And I, you know, I grew up not knowing my own inherent values. So my art was just way too important towards my happiness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be, and because of that, I really froze a lot with my art. I, you know, I didn't want to find out that I wasn't as good as I think I should be. Or So hence the working fast, I stayed ahead of that voice. I learned techniques to techniques. It was a moving fast technique is the technique. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I learned that I could distort reality uh, with my drawing. And I really enjoyed that. And I really appreciated artists that didn't rely on things having to look exactly like what they were trying to represent. Yeah. I just, you know, so I don't, I wouldn't call it cartooning, but care. Um, making things more whimsical. I mean, obviously Hallmark as a background has had really helped me to develop my storytelling abilities, expressions, mm-hmm. all these things were learned when I was at Hallmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the connection between characters, uh, you know, the, the whole thing with cats. I mean, that started when I was still at Hallmark, but my individual style with cats and what I do with them is kind of developed more so after I left there. I, 
you know, put down the computer. <clears throat> I used to work a lot on my iPad with Procreate app. Mm-hmm. And I decided I really wanted to basically learn how to paint again and learn how to draw again, uh, even if it's quirky. So that started happening in a big way after I left Hallmark. And it really influenced my ability to, you know, for the style I have now. Yeah. It was, I mean, if you look back in my Instagram feed, there's definitely been a a variation in in where I've come from. Mm -hmm. As we all know, we grow and learn and and actually, right now, <laughs> I'm going going back to basics. I'm taking an online drawing class Love that. with a woman named Liz Steele, who is an Australian artist who does urban sketching with an oh, ar- cool. architectural background. So I'm learning how to see, uh, to practice the eye-hand coordination, to actually represent what I'm seeing. Not that it has to be perfect, but to even just practice the angles of a building. Or I mean, these are things that are learned. And as she says, and that which I know, you can learn how to draw. Right. It's, a, it's, it's not something that comes only to the talented. It is something that there's a process to learning how to draw and it takes practice Mm -hmm. and the ability to have the eye-hand coordination. So my eye-hand coordination is not great (laughs) because I, you know, I I spend all my time having no drawing. When I do a a painting, I just, I just put it out there and, and it actually informs me of where it's going as I go. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty much all made up. Um, So going back to the basics of drawing, representationally Mm -hmm. is a a very curious, uncomfortable, and huge opportunity to broaden my own comfort zone. I love that. I think that's like I'm starting over again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but that is such a healthy thing to do because it does, it challenges your, your technique, your, well, the inner critic again, for sure. But it, it really, you know, I think we get comfortable in our style for sure. Or we'll try something new. And I love that you went from procreate kind of back to by hand. I see that happening with other people. Um, and I love, you know, whatever it is one way or the other back to drawing or trying procreate or trying something new, but I think really switching it up and just letting the paint guide you in a different way and a different subject matter too, is very cool. You know, I think of, I think of somebody like Lynn Whipple who, you know, we would see for years and we would, we would, we would know what we were going to see when, when the art show came around and we were looking forward to that. And then she switched it up to landscapes and, you know, now floral painting and for, for her customers, when you're relying on your customers and you're retraining them, I remember thinking or having conversations with her too, like, what is that like when they're coming to get a ninny painting and there's a landscape there, but Again, I, I feel like we don't get it until we get to a certain point in our life or a certain age where it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. You know, I need to learn. I need to continue to grow. So what's, I need to push my own boundaries. So what's going to do that? And I, I love that you're doing that. I have to check out Liz Steele and see what those courses are. Yeah. Are she's an awesome it? teacher. Oh my gosh. She, it's very deep course. There, there's a lot of content. It's oh, called good. the foundations of drawing her. Mm. It's um, sketch. Sketching now is the website. Okay. Sketchingnow.com. So anybody who's listening to this and is interested. So she she's a, a really great teacher. Um, and the reason I actually am taking this class is because 
I have signed up to do a couple urban sketching tours mm. in September. And I realized, you know, I never do urban sketching. I actually drew outside for maybe the first time since I was a child yeah. or, you know, teenager uh, just the other day to draw the roof of a building. Um, and so I've signed up for these classes that are urban sketching and or plein air type classes. Uh, mm -hmm. One is in Nice, France, and one is in Spain, these back to back. Nice. And yet, so here's my yeah. crazy thinking. <laughs> I don't even know if I like doing urban sketching or if I like <laughs> doing plein air. I, it's like I'm jumping into the deep end here. Um, and so I thought taking this class with Liz online Smart. would kind of at least get me moving and uh, you know, help me to, I mean, she's really good at sh telling you that, you know, the, the wonkiness in a drawing is part of its charm. She, yes. uh, you know, the, the, the ultimate goal is to be more accurate so that you can wonky, wonky your drawing up and know what's going on. Sure. <laughs> you know? uh, but there's a, what I love is that I'm all about wonky drawing uh, yes. by necessity. Cause my drawing at this point is pretty, it's not accurate. Um, so for me, what I love the most is the interaction between what's happening on the page, my inner critic judgments about it, and seeing that all from the bigger perspective of I'm okay. Yes. And letting it all go through and continuing to practice. Oh, uh, I so I, I see these things as, I always kind of like to see these things as opportunities for me to share with others that are maybe going through some similar situations where they're struggling with their own art or thinking they're not good enough, or they don't know how to draw or can't draw. Right. Uh, we all can learn to draw. Mm -hmm. We all can learn to paint and we can all very much learn that none of the things that we create have any uh, bearing on our worth, that right. our worth is inherent. And so I keep coming back to that with whatever I teach because it's something that I will be learning the rest of my life is, oh, that's right, I'm okay. Uh, uh, this bad drawing has, <laughs> quote unquote, bad drawing has nothing to do with my value. Right. And, you know, that was not, I didn't know that for most of my life. Right. I really thought I was only as good as my last piece of art. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's so valuable. And I think, I mean, just hearing in your voice, you know, you're saying I'm, I'm going to do these two amazing sounding trips, but I'm already questioning <laughs> how that's going yeah. to go, you know? And I think, and I want to go back to your comment on wonky drawings. Like I think about what I'm drawn to, what I'm, what, what I, the art I like, it's the wonky stuff. Like I want to see that person's personality in that. If it looks, I mean, certainly I'm blown away by pho photorealism, but is that I love to see someone's character come out in that piece. And so, but it's funny that we're, we criticize that in ourselves so much. Why, why is that under that double standard or that, you know, kind of head twisting thing. And I can't wait to see what happens with these trips of yours. Any, yeah, no matter what, <laughs> you're going to have a good time, you know? Right. I mean, it's going to be with a bunch of wonderful people, great food, beautiful countries and, um, you know, besides the flight, which I'm not real fond of, it's going to be a wonderful opportunity. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. In the meantime, 
I am going to be uh, do one day at a time, one moment at a time, practicing my drawing skills. Yeah. And uh, speaking of aud- audiences that know you for one thing, and then all of a sudden you're doing something else. Mm. Um, I did that uh, when I first left Hallmark in 2016. I took a year to paint non-objective paintings, large scale. So mm. I was really kind of blowing off all the parameters of yes. all the tiny greeting card size artwork mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that are representational and storytelling. So, and then I, I picked up these big paintbrushes and started, wow, you know, doing these large scale paintings. Um, so when I started posting around that in Instagram, I started losing my following because people didn't know uh. what in the heck was going on. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and, and that's fine. You know, part of the exploration is not letting your following lead you. Right, right that, you know, uh, I had to honor that phase and I did go back to doing illustration after that and really haven't painted that way since, but I still have it in my back pocket to play with that if, and when the time is right. So this kind of feels like another one of those uh, adventures into something new. And I do have a, a dialogue going on in my head around, you know, how do I keep up with what people know that I do that I love so much, you know, 90% of which is cats uh, in their quirky and fun and storytelling situations, but also explore this more uh, representational style just because I, I really want to, you know, I may never be good at capturing exactly what I see, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's more about not being afraid of it. And being able yeah. to go ahead and do it just for the practice of it, um, for the for the navigation through the inner critic and, and allowing myself just to keep focusing back in on the page. I think that's and, so well And said. also, it, it really helps you to see more clearly mm. when you're drawing what you see, eye-hand coordination, you start to see the world in a whole new way. Yes. Which is really cool. Very cool. I would think, you know, I hadn't really thought about that because I have not, I had stopped pausing to think I've really not done any plein air. Like you said, maybe in high school or, or, you know, we went outside in our college drawing courses, but um, I imagine that even drawing the roof, when you went outside, it's, you're probably looking at angles and connections and texture and color differently already, you know, thinking about it from the class you're taking online and and kind of preparing your mind for that. Plus one of the things that I love about a trip like that is you're immersed, right. And you're with other people Mm -hmm. doing the same thing. So you kind of, you kind of just jump in anyway. Yes. And like I mentioned, I have to remind myself of the, what, what's really important for me is to be able to navigate all the, I'm not good enough at this automatically voices that come up in my head gracefully by having the, you know, continuing to remind myself that I'm okay. You know, this seems sounds kind of corny, but it is the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, a lot of what Liz talks about Liz Steele is really leaning in to the wonkiness. Not that you're not trying to get better at your skills on representing more accurately, accurately what you see, 
there's not a judgment about the wonkiness other than an embracing of it. Um, and two other artists I want to bring up are, um, are Jennifer Orkin Lewis mm-hmm. and Gal Baker, who both are amazing artists, but they also, when I've done a couple of their, I've been with them in class, but also done a couple of their online things they are starting to do now. And mm-hmm. I love it when they start by looking at something, but as they go along very quickly, they start to move with what's on the page yeah. and respond to the page and the design of the page and the colors and the line and everything. And the actual thing they're looking at takes a back seat. They're capturing the essence, the creative essence without it needing to be exactly like what they're seeing. And right. so for me, that's really exciting. I do want to know a little bit more about being able to see and capture a semi close idea of what I'm looking at, but what's more important is what, how exciting is that on the page and Mm. what comes up and intrigues me and interests me as I go along. Um, So, yeah, it's a, it's a mystery and adventure and it's scary and intriguing all at the same time. It so is. And I, I think it's humbling to pick a word to hear you talk about it in this way, because it is obviously really a lifelong common thread through your practice to question the process, question, maybe question your ability, but more like, is this doing what I want it to? It sounds like maybe you've gotten to that point. Is this doing what I want it to, what I'm imagining it it will? And how great that, well, for certain you've found, you know, 30 years of, of mutual support through Hallmark, but then now people like Jennifer and Gal and, um, you know, certainly Liz, where your, your skill level matches so that you can take, you know, you come to it with yours, like, I'd like to still figure out how to make this look like I want it to, but yet you're, you're seeing how to embrace what's on the page. You know, you're just, it's so fantastic to bring in others guidance or just, you know, interpretation and look at that. And that's one of the things, you know, I keep circling back to this, this community is so supportive and generous of each other. And to be able at any point in your life, because when you're creative and you have a creative practice of any kind, it never stops. It just doesn't. I feel like if I couldn't use my hands, I'm still, or my eyes, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still going to think about what color looks good together or whatever. So it doesn't go away and how refreshing to be able to continue to push yourself, to learn, to ease into a new way of thinking about it. All those things. Really grateful for that. And I love hearing your conversation around it. Well, thank you. It's, there's so many people in my life that have been influential. I, you know, I, I know you had Lynn Ginta on here yeah. recently and um, she really, I, we got together for lunches, as she mentioned in her interview. And when I was still at Hallmark, we'd get together for lunches and developed a daily creating habit. Yeah, I love um, that. Um, and so we both continued that um, since I've left there, we still get together and, and we're been, play with our art together, which is really awesome. Um, it is. And from that daily creating thing and having great friends that came along on that journey, 
you know, I developed the daily creating group on mm. Facebook, which has been awesome to just have an, a, a big group of artists that um, it's not that we have to jump in every day, but there's always that group there to kind of support you. I, I'm a big advocate of at least showing up and doing a scribble and seeing just highly overrated. Most of the time when I start a piece of artwork, I have the inner critic trying to have me do something else, but um, I just stay with it. And, and then the inspiration comes as I'm creating. Yeah. Like you said, it's, I mean, I think like, what are those things to get you past it? It's keeping going. It is that daily scribble. It's putting your brush to the paper. It's maybe finding a different class or, or something like that, but it's, it's pushing through. Yeah. And it's, I almost, the word pushing is interesting. I, I kind of think of it as more like a leaning into I like it's that. Um, ra- it, rather than trying to muscle my way through, mm. I'm sort of just showing up with the awareness that anything can happen mm. no matter what my resistance is saying, no matter whether I'm thinking I'm creatively blocked. All of that to me is basically the learn repetitive habitual thinking popping up that, you know, we get distracted by and creativity never goes away. There's not anything actually to a creative block beyond us listening to our thinking about how we're creative block, creatively blocked and believing it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a, that's a huge thing to say, but it is true. I know creativity is constant. I know even if I'm not feeling inspired, so to speak, or I don't know what I want to create, I know if I show up at the page and just start playing around, something something will happen. And even if I don't love what happens, it's still creativity unfolding. Yes. Even if it's a mess, right? Right. (laughs) So knowing that, you know, really frees people up to be able to just play. Yeah. Um, And I, I really have leaned into the play aspect of creating art. Um, It, you know, for most of my life was an assignment that I was trying to fulfill and not something I did for the joy of it. And it has been since I retired that the joy piece has come through as the main factor. Oh, that's great. It's very important, you know, to, to enjoy the process because really that's all we have in life is the moment by moment experience. It's true. And if you don't, if you don't bring that in or let it in, what are you doing it for? Really? I think that so many people are trying to make, like, I have to do this thing. I have to make a career out of this. It's gotta happen. I must be able to. And the joy isn't as present when that's when, when you're pushing it. Yes. And I get that because I spent most of my life in that pushing mode and trying to get ahead and basically trying to stay ahead of whatever it is I thought about myself, which wasn't great most of my life. So, you know, now the foundation of not feeling good about myself has been, I am okay. So all this other stuff that's going on, the practice of doing art, the sharing around it, the connecting, the playing is all just something that. I'm basically messing with, but it's not reflecting myself in any way, shape or form as far as whether I'm good enough or, you know, that conversation in my head still comes up, uh, but I know what it is. I know it's, yeah, that's the way I learned to think. And it basically has nothing to do with the truth. Yeah. Again, I'm just really, I think saying it out loud and being able to talk about it and embrace it and admit that it's part of us just helps it helps me when I can do that, but you're helping other people 
I often have people say to me after that I've listened to a certain episode, oh my gosh, I really saw myself in that. And it just helped me move beyond this thing I was stuck with, et cetera. So I, I think Terry, that a lot of people are being like, oh my gosh, Terry Runyon feels that way. Then, then I'm okay. I'll be okay. Yeah. It's, um, you know, people get an idea about who people are based on what they see on Instagram yeah. or Facebook or whatever. Um, and you know, part of what I want to do is in what I do in my classes is I am very transparent about my own journey uh, because I think that's where the teaching is, mm-hmm. is that we're all, we're all kind of starting at the same place uh, with the same kinds of thinking around our creativity. Uh, you know, it varies of course, but it's, you know, getting it firsthand from someone who's, who's lived that and has found a way to be able to continue to create with a, with a bigger perspective, um, with a, with a different point of view, with an openness to learning and a more and more comfort with quote unquote mistakes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I can't even say I'm accurate with what is a mistake because like you were saying, I love wonkiness in a drawing. I love to see the personality of an artist. Yeah. Um, so everything I learned about having a perfect drawing is the kind of work that I really don't care for and I'm not drawn to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, you know, it's absurd. We still have that conditioning come up saying that what we do has to be that perfect thing, even though we don't even like it. Uh, you know, that's part of this walk for me is once again, moving back into representational drawing or trying to represent what I see in online on a piece of paper is bringing all that back up again. And so I'm getting to unlearn a lot about, I mean, remind myself or remember that what I love is that quirky line. Yeah. Is that line that doesn't go where it's supposed to go. Take a little sticky note and write it on the front of your notebook that says quirky (laughs) plus wonky equals awesome. (laughs) Exactly. So, and, you know, also, you know, to be open to and, um, okay with stuff that just doesn't go well. I mean, there's a lot of that that happens, particularly when you're trying something new. Uh, and, and like I said, a lot of the things that don't go well are things that re- other people really appreciate. But in a, even I appreciate them in hindsight, but when, as they're going on, it seems like they're possibly not the best. You know, that's rather than fussing over something, just, okay, that I'm learning. That's awesome. And moving on. So I'm telling myself that right now because I'm learning right now something that's quite new to me. And it's what I'm doing. It's like I'm, I'm finding out my skill level with these things. And I'm finding out that, that, you know, practice is needed. And my main objective is to, if there is an objective, <laughs> is to enjoy the process. So even in the uncomfortableness of pushing that, what I know, right. <laughs> into the unknown, there's still that, that there's that opportunity right in the moment of being able to live that fully and so true. be interested and curious about that process. I think that's so well said, be interested and curious. And just, if you can, if you can remind yourself, that's the point to be interested and curious and just keep going, yeah. it'll, you'll get through it, you know? Yeah. And the getting through it is life. Yeah. It is the actual <laughs> there is no, you know, this isn't the dry run for something else where right now, this is it. And it's always that way. Uh, even if we're trying to convince ourselves that 
it's going to happen once we get. I know. Sometimes I think like, oh, you know, when I'm, when this happens, I'll do that. I'm (laughs) then I'll remind myself, you know, you've already lived several decades. You might be wanting to try that right now if it's in your plans. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, um, it's, you know, that, that whole mindfulness thing, coming back to what is happening in life right now. I mean, right now I'm talking with you on a a wonderful podcast and this is it. This is the joy, right? There isn't something to look forward to once I get off the call (laughs) because we can only be now. Exactly. Yes. Well, I've been sort of scribbling on my piece of paper here as we've been going. Um, yeah. Well, I just, I so, so, it's so refreshing. Terry, to hear you say the things you have, to hear your point of view, to know that, um, you know, your humanism shines through. And, you know, I just, for one, absolutely love what you put out into the world, no matter how it gets there. Um, it's a delight every time. And I'm sure there's plenty of pieces that don't make it to the little square of Instagram or the other places I've seen it, but, um, and, and, uh, I can see behind you because I'm looking at the video, the beautiful big paintings, which are more abstract and, but your color sense and what you've put a lot into the world. And, and I think we're better for it. And I think it's sometimes hard to, to realize when you're, you know, because we're just creating and we don't, I don't like to necessarily think about my scope. As a matter of fact, when I record like this, I really just treat it as I'm talking to you because I am interested in you as a person. And wouldn't it be great to have a conversation? I don't really think about it being listened to, you know, thousands of times, but the fact that other people might um, glean a little bit of, I don't know, a little interest from it. I'm just happy about that too. And, and so thank you for that. Thank you. And, and, you know, to be honest, I have no idea what I've even said. <laughs> it's, it's always funny to listen back to these things. Cause you realize, Oh, I really needed to hear that. <laughs> exactly. Know? Exactly. We're our own best and worst help and critic, I think along the way. Well, you teach, what do they say? You teach best what you need to learn. Yes. And I think that's what I'm into teaching is uh, the things that I'm I'm learning every moment. It's definitely going against the this, this, this stream that I grew up in of achievement as your value mm-hmm. and kind of throwing that all off and recognizing value and then expression. But the expression part doesn't reflect your value. No. And I think too, there's something brave about being creative and there's something really brave about talking about how you approach it and the difficulties you might have. So those two things together are really a gift and much appreciated. It's been been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much, Margo. You too. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantowstudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. 
I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious. <laughs>